about now? Well, thank you all again for being here. Uh, it's great to see you all at the new year. Last time we spoke, we were visioning and we were walking about and we're working together back in October, the first working group meeting. So it's, it's good to see you all again. Tonight is really about going over some engagement um, review for the outreach that the city has done and the community conversations that we've had thus far. Uh, we're going to be reviewing some key themes from the visioning workshop that we did earlier um, or last year, late last year, and then um, the community survey results as well. And then we'll dive into some of those land use change requests, the two sites that we have um, on the table for this grounded neighborhood plan updates, the Juanita and Kingsgate Vision, um, the Juanita Goodwill and the Juanita um, Michael site. And then after that, we'll go into the drafted vision statement. We'll get some feedback from everyone on that. We'll dive into what other parts of the neighborhood plan will be changed and then the next steps in the schedule. Before we start, I think that it might be helpful just uh, for the folks that are joining us digitally for all of us in person to go around and just say who's here, your name, um, and then anything else you want before we start. But just want to get an idea of who's in the room. So I'll start. My name is Leandra, and I'll pass it to you. Yes, Mike Ward. Uh, just a uh, resident of the city here for four years. Whatever. I'm Doug Ruff from Chair of the Juanita Neighborhoods Association. Uh, basically here to promote our community uh, public pathway. Uh, Luke Travis, and since I wasn't able to participate with the workshop uh, last year that you mentioned, I'm really excited to be here. Hello, I'm Yellen. I am James. Um, I am involved with Liverpool Kirkland and have lived in Juanita for like six years now. So. Hello, I'm Ingrid Salmon, and I live in Juanita neighborhood uh, near the Safeway there. And I'm here because I'm raising children and I wanted to be livable. Thank you. Great. And then we have a couple people joining via Zoom. Do you guys mind just introducing yourself? I'm sure we've all chatted before, but just to include you all in the intros. Um, I can go first. I'm Jenny Yeager, and I live in Juanita, um, not far from uh, Juanita Safeway. Um, I've got two teenagers who I would like to be able, who I hope will be able to live um, not far away at some point uh, when they move out. Um, and so we need more housing. So that's my main um, housing and safe, uh, safe trans transportation that is not um, car dependent um, and mainly for the sake of my kids. Thank you. Thank you, Teresa or Tracy. Oh. We can't hear you, Tracy. Um, I don't think your sound is working. Sorry, I'm on mute. Um, my name is Teresa. I live on the edge of Juanita and Finn Hill, and I drive through Juanita every day. I spend a lot of time at um, the Starbucks there across from the park. I spend a lot of time in the park. 
Um, I shop in the Juanita neighborhood for my groceries. So um, I spend a lot of time there. Great, thank you. All right, we'll hop right in to some key themes that we've heard since we started this up uh, late last fall. So just to give you guys an idea of what we heard, we had over 300 responses to the community survey. We had 333, left to be a good omen, right? Mm -hmm. um, of those 333 respondents, 292 identified as residents of the neighborhood. Uh, we had 12 business owners respond. We had 25 employees respond to the survey, nine students uh, from Juanita, and then a good amount of visitors, uh, 55 visitors um, identified through the survey. It should be noted that some people might have picked both or more than one of those options, uh, but still a great turnout and a lot of good feedback from the community. And our workshop, some of you were there, there's a picture, but we had just about 30 folks join us to um, talk about the visioning statement as well as some um, roundtable activities. So we'll get into the, the table topics now, which one of the tables was the challenge table or things within the neighborhood that need improvement. Yeah, Calvin. Uh, this on the slide, like challenges and improvement, like does that represent the survey results, workshop results, or both? Both. Okay, so they kind of have similar things to do. Right. Okay. Yeah, so this is some overall themes. Um, for each topic, first being challenges or things that need improvement. A few environmental topics that arose were challenges that are present at South Juanita along the waterfront, um, sensitive areas, critical areas, shoreline um, areas, also a, an abundance of streams and creeks uh, that are in need of protection and restoration within the neighborhood. Uh, I'll read this slide. I, Typically, don't like to read slides, but this is, uh, I think, important to relate to you all. So another one is tree retention standards for developers and development. Um, that has been noted as a challenge and or something that needs improvement, maybe um, stricter regulations for development and large, large um, projects that cut down a lot of trees at once was reported as something that needs to be looked at or should be looked at. Um, that, as a note, would be looked at citywide. It's not something that would change necessarily within the neighborhood plan. It wouldn't have Juanita tree standards versus city tree standards, but uh, something to note. We also heard that more parks are needed in North Juanita. Um, it could be seen as lacking in compared to other parts of the, of the neighborhood, such as South Juanita. We have some economic uh, challenges presented, like utilization of vacant quarter lots, like the Goodwill site and the Michael site, which we'll dive into in a bit. We also heard that retention of businesses that directly serve the community needs is really important. Um, Juanita doesn't, or doesn't currently have a harbor store. Juanita Village is lacking in grocery options, things like that. Better use of the existing commercial centers, both North and South Juanita commercial centers was noted. Concentrating growth here as opposed to other locations was a popular sentiment. And then in North Juanita, the commercial center was noted to have potential for increased density, additional development, and in even some aesthetic improvements. There are a couple other topics for challenges that are worth noting, traffic conditions and Traffic congestion was noted quite a bit, especially um, along Northeast Juanita Drive and uh, 98th Avenue. 
So the intersection could use some traffic improvements or and or pedestrian improvements. General traffic safety and speed control measures was mentioned a lot um, and the controlling of people driving too fast. The main or the biggest, the most prevalent challenge or area of improvement that could be or that was presented was for connections within the neighborhood, connections to key locations, connections between key locations. So pedestrian connections to and between amenities. The Juanita public pathway would connect to existing dog parks, as well as other features like parks and a park and ride, which we'll get into that in just a minute as well. Um, we also heard that an increase in pedestrian and bicycle connectivity to the high traffic areas um, that might have future development is important. So the Goodwill site, pedestrian access to North Kirkland Community Center, to the waterfront parks, improving sidewalk conditions and creating that connectivity through better sidewalks, bigger sidewalks, especially along school walking routes was expressed. Crosswalk safety near Juanita High School and other schools, but I think Juanita was, was the most commonly uh, expressed and the Northeast 132nd intersection. It was also reported that 90th Avenue bike improvements are needed. Um, we should connect the existing bike lanes there. And it was expressed that the route is dangerous, um, but it is important because it connects the neighborhood to the waterfront and the businesses to the south. And then improving public transit options within the entire neighborhood, focusing most on the deficient areas first. I think I have a question on the next slide about that. So if you, I have a question for the group. If you could talk to King County Metro, if they were here right now, if they had a rep, where in the neighborhood would you ask them to prioritize service first? That doesn't currently exist in uh, Juanita. Go ahead, Ingrid. There is service that I know of the three routes that go through Juanita, which are the 230, the 225, the 230, and the 231. Um, but Metro paid no attention to school schedules, for example. I mean, the school schedule to pay attention to would be Juanita High School. Kids younger than that tend not to be riding. But they didn't pay any attention, so it comes at 15 minutes before school starts, for example. So even just the routes that they have, if they paid attention to that. Just one suggestion. What, what was the other part of your question though? Just, just wanting to understand, that's a great one, um, where you would ask Metro to increase service in the neighborhood that might not exist right now that you might have to walk to or that doesn't come frequently or frequently enough at the right times. Luke? Uh, that's been my experience. It's when uh, you highlight just there about frequency, especially in light of last year and the cutbacks with stabbing. Um, currently, they mentioned 230, 231, um, and the air buses in Kirkland in general only come once an hour, which is not something to plan around. Yeah, so a suggestion for that, that was a huge drop off. And, and in fact, by the way, on Finn Hill, we had uh, the 260 bus that went directly to uh, Seattle, and that was suspended a couple of years ago. So we've lost a lot. But I would say if they could have maybe a couple, you know, do it every half hour in the morning or the afternoon. But anyway, I think um, there's a tendency of our residents not to take us. Is it the infrastructure? Is you know what is it? Probably the infrastructure, but 
Thank you. Uh, we'll go to Doug and then Jenny online. So um, I, as a somebody that took the bus for 30 years from Juanita, um, the uh, two things, one, the 257, which is the bus that I took, um, they've changed it so that now it goes to the University of Washington rather than downtown, um, and then dumps you off at a spot where you're supposed to then take light rail, but it's about, it's a, it's a good 10-minute walk by the time you get off the bus and figure out how to go down a bunch of flights of of uh, stairs and, and, uh, and escalators and whatever. So I can see why people would say, forget that. Um, if I were to go downtown Seattle, I would probably take the 257 and hop on a different bus, which is not optimal. Um, that's the one thing. The other thing is, I, I don't know if many people know that Metro has a scheduled bus that you can call and schedule, and you it'll take you from anywhere in Juanita to anywhere. And I have never used it yet because I never quite had you know anywhere in Juanita. I, I tend to take my bike if I'm going from Check that out if you're, if you're interested. Um, it will it will take you to um, Total Lake. So I think it's important that people know that. Um, but uh, but it, I, I think they've lost some service because for 30 years I took the 257 from a block from my house to downtown Seattle. Yeah. I can't do that. That's a problem. So connection to downtown Seattle rather than just the U district. Jenny? Uh, yeah, I. I don't need um, more area. I don't. I don't need the buses to go to m more area to to uh, serve my home, um, but more frequency would be the biggest improvement. Um, uh, we live in the triangle wedge between um, we need a Woodenville Road and One Hundredths, and so um, my kids use. Uh, buses that run on those two main roads. Um, but they're just not frequent enough now. And uh, it makes it really, that that's a, that's a difficulty. Um, and then following up on what Doug said, um, that's uh, Metroflex. Um, and uh, I'm really glad that that exists. Um, I, my kids haven't been able to use, haven't found that useful to use so far. Um, but I'm glad that it exists. Uh, and um, if it, um, if its area of operation reached to UW Bothell, um, that would be it. It, it doesn't quite. It cuts off just far enough away from UW Bothell to make it less useful for my son. Um, so that's uh, that's my input for now. Thank you. Thank you. Teresa? Yeah, I have a, um, I guess a question. I've noticed that in Bellevue, they're using these little, almost like little trolleys or these little commuter type vehicles. And I'm not sure exactly what they're called. Um, and I believe those are all run by the city directly. And they're kind of just around the downtown core. 
I'm just wondering if that's something that the city council would consider for Kirkland, um, especially in some of the more like busy areas, such as like Juanita Village, um, you know, maybe even little connectors that go back and forth between the main hubs or areas in Kirkland. Um, I think this would be especially helpful for people that are getting to and from the park uh, for events or even just um, for day-to-day -day activity. Um, you know, the metro buses are great for people who are trying to get to and from work, but people who maybe are just trying to get from place to place quickly, um, having an option like that, I think might be really helpful to fill in or at least to improve um, options for people that are trying to get around, um, especially as the King County system seems to be cutting back. That's just kind of all I had to say. Yeah, thank you. That is called the, the Bellevue Circuit. Mm. Um, I don't know how new it is, and I know that it's been brought up. Here. Okay, mm -hmm. pretty new. Um, but it, I know it has been brought up before in my conversations with both neighborhoods and just general conversations. I'm not sure where the officials are on it, but I, I know that they, they are aware of it. So It's a pilot program, right, funded by the tourism taxes, I think. Mm. Oh, interesting. Uh, planning Commission has has talked about it a little bit, uh, sorry. Um, our planning commission has talked about it a little bit in conversations about draft transportation policies for the um, transportation strategic plan and the transportation element of the comp plan. So I'm not sure if it'll end up in the recommendation or not, but it's on their mind. So I think if the working group is into an idea like that, it's a great comment to include. Um, because yeah, it's, they, they definitely know about the service. Yeah. Um, Jenny, I see your hand up. Yeah. Um, just to follow up on the Metroflex or the um, the Bellevue commuter um, or connector, um, I like the idea of maybe ha having that available for special events. Um, I, it's I know it's much more expensive to run the connector um, than it is to run buses in general because um, the capacity is limited, but you have the same amount of need for a driver, but for a, a lot fewer people. And so um, Im improving the bus service, I think should be the higher priority. Um, but because we don't have bus service uh, to reaching well into um, our neighborhoods, um, I think Metroflex is filling a need, but it would be better, it would probably be better invested in more frequent service for the routes that we, that we have. Yeah, kind of uh, using the existing infrastructure that the buses already have, uh, and just building upon that, that makes sense. Any other comments? Yeah. Um, I think I'm, I'm missing a little bit of sense. So we already touched on Metroflex, and um, I haven't used it myself, but my understanding is that Bellevue's Bellhop that was mentioned is largely a similar service, just that it's supported by the city instead of by Metro. So what's the, this? I'm seeing uh, enthusiasm for something like Bellhop. How does that differ from Metroflex is my curiosity. I think the main difference is that it would be Kirkland, City of Kirkland would be the ones running. So we're paying it directly so into the Metropop. 
Right. Yeah, if we were to adopt something like the Bellevue Circuit, it would be like the Kirkland Circuit. So it just changes who pays for it, in a sense. I think. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, the vehicles are tier, right? Like, obviously, Metroplex is larger vehicles, whereas the Circuit Bunk is tiny EVs. Oh, okay. So it's very different vehicle types as well. Like, one's like a. A large golf cart, a bunch of golf cart autos. Really? Real life. Like those things they have at Disney Disney World to take you from the uh, from the parking lot to the park. Yeah, the capacity oh, yeah, is the capacity right. is minor. Okay, that makes it more sense if it's right. it's more like micro transit. Yeah, that makes more, more sense if it's a different form factor. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, so I would say yes. Let's pursue a Kirkland circuit. Thank you. Uh, explore explore with the city. Just say that we would be in support of moving forward. So. Like, um, 
like how it seems to clearly have both a, a circuit app or electric golf carts, and we have Metroplex. I think let's just take one invest in it. I like how Metroplex, of course, has full service vehicles, they're accessible than the circuit vehicles, their golf carts, they help the court wheelchair accessibility, like whereas you know, Metroplex vehicles, they have full their full their fully accessible uh, services. So things like that, I think, are complimenting me there. Uh, my last comment and, uh, is um sorry, I'm just I'm scared of my last comment and is I think it's interesting we talk about bike improvements and transit options. Uh maybe sort of very bottom of the room is what would you want to prioritize that do we think would rather invest if we had say hundred thousand dollars of money to invest to this community care and more improving transit options here, or would you rather fund use it to fund like um, like do we have like a stack rank of what we want to prioritize more? Personally, I'm looking at transit service because not everyone can bike, not everyone can walk, right? Whereas transit service is designed for everyone to be able to use. But I'm sure people have opinions there as well. Thank you. Thank you. Um yeah, we can comments. get a couple more comments on this and then we gotta keep it rolling. Ingrid? Yeah, I wanted to say that uh, I was wondering if there could be an incentivized program to promote. Uh, transportation use because I think our our population doesn't use it very much and that's um, that's a downward spiral. So free service for a period of time, something like that. And then I also wanted to throw out that I think I do think that Metro lost a lot of customers when they cut off routes that go direct from the east side or the north side of the lake. The neighborhood, yes, but into the city. And now they cut it off. Everyone has to get onto the light rail and it you know, going into the city, depending upon where you go, becomes a three bus. That's the right, right. Anyway, that, those are my two comments. Uh, I think um, sometimes, well, anyway, I can understand why Metro did that. I think they want to use that very expensive infrastructure, which is that line one, you know, the light rail. So mm -hmm. thank you. Thank you. Uh, we'll go to Teresa first. Hi, I just wanted to ask the participants in the room to make sure that they speak into the microphone. The oh, gentleman that was speaking before, it sounded like he had a lot of very valuable points to make, but those of us on, um, you know, the, you know, network, so to speak, or for those that are watching this afterwards and when it's being recorded, I don't think that we're going to be able to understand 50% of what he said. So that's just my comment. The lady that was just speaking a moment ago, she was very crisp and clear. So I guess I would just ask that everybody please remember to speak into the microphone. Thank you. Yeah, could you just interject whenever we're not, please? Because <laughs> um, that's very important. Like you just highlighted. Thank you, Thank you Teresa. Um, okay, yes, we can do a couple more, but I have a lot of slides. So I, I want to have a counterpoint that uh, it's, it's been shown that walking and biking is healthier. Uh, it actually reduces uh, um, medical costs, uh, takes cars off the road. Um, it's, uh, it, people are live longer uh, when you bike or walk uh, than if you take a, a car or a bus. So I would, I would argue that we prioritize the biking and walking. To answer Calvin's hypothetical, yeah, that was kind of hypothetical. Okay, and then for those online, um, I don't know if you heard that part, but Calvin raised a hypothetical question. If we had a certain amount of dollars, would we rather prioritize transit or biking and pedestrian infrastructure? So that was
um, to the next topic as well, since I can see it right there. Uh, I think that uh, improving the amount of housing in the area, like especially along the existing transit routes, like, so like along 124th, along um, I think 132nd is where that uh, is, where one of the uh, parking rights is. Um, and, and like that, like having more kind of what's being proposed with the Goodwill and the Michaels uh, corner lot plans to have a lot more housing, especially if that housing can be built with like lower parking requirements so there isn't an increase in burden on like traffic in the area and things like that. But like tra mass transit is, uh, it's ma you know, mass is in the name for a reason. You need a certain throughput of people in order to uh, achieve, you know, uh, you know, appropriate economies of scale that make hiring the people, which is always the most expensive part of these things after the upfront cost of the equipment, um, it's what makes it useful. And right now, like 80% of Juanita is low density. So. Yeah, I just want to piggyback on that. Uh, we've been complaining here about capacity cutbacks. We have nothing else to take single C rides downtown like we're used to. I mean, there's reasons why Juanita's gotten, you know, some kind of the brunt of these cutbacks is because unlike every areas of the Puget Sound Metro, like say, we are primarily low density if we choose to stay that way, I mean, we have ourselves to blame for poor service. Yeah, or to, yeah, it's like a chicken and the egg type thing, or you know, downward spiral. It's just slash for right. like, oh, We have to show that we actually want transit, otherwise, we're not going to get any. Okay, um, Jenny, feel free to put your comment in the chat. The chat's going to be downloaded. I have to move on, I'm sorry, but we're going to skip over to the housing challenges. Um, we heard that the affordability of homes is a challenge for the Juanita residents and visitors, people who want to live here but uh, maybe can't do so. Um, since there aren't very many developable sites in Kirkland, especially for affordable housing, uh, there needs to be a way to promote that for future generations to be able to live in the area. Uh, we also heard that some people want to keep low density areas of the neighborhood as single family and increase density where it makes sense. So without speaking for those respondents where it makes sense might be along major arterials with uh, access to existing transit infrastructure, um, close to commercial centers, so um, walking instead of driving makes sense, things like that. Moving on to some uniqueness and highlights that we heard from. So this is the, the, the bragging points of Juanita. These are Topics that we're really going to look to build on uh, with the neighborhood plan update and enforce uh, moving forward. So people love that Juanita is centrally located and provides convenient access to other parts of the city. Although so many of the responses were environmental features uh, such as green space, parks, trees, the wildlife, our trails, and even the views. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from the proximity to the lake. Um, we have our beautiful shoreline, Juanita Beach Park, Juanita Bay Park a lot of recreation available there. Um, there was also expressed that maybe compared to other parts of the neighborhood, there is um, a good amount of pedestrian and bike infrastructure in Juanita that's appreciated. Uh, East-West walkability was noted. It has a community-friendly feel, meaning there's schools, it's quiet, there's options for youth and adult recreation. And then um, we heard of a plethora of places that make Juanita unique, Go Hill, Floods, uh, the North Kirkland Community Center was really important to folks. Um, those public gathering spaces really allow for a sense of community 
that's fostered through those areas, through neighbors, through schools, um, and those community centers, like I mentioned. It was also noted that the historic structures in Juanita are very valued, as well as the uh, unique retail options. Some ideas to explore, which was another table at the visioning workshop, um, the Juanita Public Pathway proposal that would take folks uh, pedestrian, bike, <laughs> scooters, whatever, rollerblades, however you want to get there. But it would take people from the Cross Kirkland Corridor at I-405 to the Heron Field Wetlands, the Juanita High School, great for students, to Windsor Vista and Edith Moulton Park, and then up into Bothell uh, at the Brickyard Park, or Park and Ride, Brickyard Road Park and Ride in Bothell. Um, we also heard that we should explore roadway enhancements and improve safety and traffic conditions. Uh, maybe explore I-405 pedestrian and bike bridge at Northeast 140th Street to connect Kingsgate to Juanita, um, circumventing the, the big highway that cuts in between the neighborhood. The housing options could be explored above the North Juanita Commercial Center, so maybe some mixed-use development similar to what we have at uh, Juanita Village in South Juanita. It was also mentioned that maybe an underground pathway or some sort of road-free path that people could take to get them from the commercial area in South Juanita to the waterfront without having to cross a busy street. Um, having a multimodal pathway to more North Juanita Commercial Center area, so near the Safeway. Um, that would allow folks to avoid 100th Avenue due to its traffic and congestion. Um, some people recommended to connect Forbes Creek Drive to the Cross Kirkland Corridor. Direct bus routes to cities like Bellevue and Seattle were suggested. Um, assessing zoning requirements for opportunities to promote the 10-minute neighborhood concept. So for those who um, aren't aware of that, it's just a matter of being able to conveniently walk within 10 minutes or so to essential um, goods, services, school, work, without having to um, hop in your car. That's kind of the concept of a 10-minute neighborhood, basically a, a walkable neighborhood. Um, Juanita Beach and Juanita Bay recreation opportunities were expressed, so an adult playground was mentioned, a skate park, things like that, some workout machines, and then some uh, redevelopment of the North Brooklyn Community Center and Park was also mentioned quite a few times. Okay, moving on to the land use change request. We'll start with the Michael site. This is at 9755 Northeast Juanita Drive, and we've spoken about this as a group before. Just to refresh you all, um, the proposal includes increasing the height allowances, um, eliminating the density requirements, and a reduction in parking requirements. It's also noted that the applicants themselves has not proposed any retail but I wanted to mention to the group that if it is a strong desire for the working group or for staff or even planning commission later when we bring it to them to enforce ground level retail, then we are completely within our purview to do so. And that would be something that we could also uh, let the uh, planning commission know that the working group supports. Um, or if you are all in support, or if any of you are in support of just housing, or if you're not in support of either, um, that is good to know too. Before we open it up for discussion, I wanted to note or have, have noted that this change would also impact the adjacent parcel to the Southwest. So 
the Kafa Kali restaurant in the photo is also part of the same zone. So if we were to change the, the land use uh, requirements for Michael's site, we would also change it for that site as well. Um, and then a reminder that projects, once the once the application comes in, they go through extensive traffic and environmental review during develop or before development, and then it's essentially up to the applicant and the property owner and the developer to make it work within the constraints of our codes and policies. So while there are probably a lot of unanswered questions about how they could fit 250 units on the site, it's not something that um, it's something that gets worked out a little bit later in the process with um, ingress and egress and site design is, is uh, heavily looked at. So some of the key themes that we heard from, from this proposal and the reactions to the proposal from the community are that yes, more housing is needed in Juanita, um, but a lot of people or some people mentioned that keeping the housing at the village and more inland is preferred as opposed to right on the waterfront. We heard that 70 feet is, a, is too tall for this location. We heard some other ideas for the site that could include a transit center, um, some single story retail restaurant plazas that are waterfront based or water facing at least. Uh, a retirement home was mentioned um, due to its usual lack of need for a ton of parking. Um, so that could be an option or um, just general mixed use building um, there. There was concerns of environmental and traffic conditions at the site, so that's kind of why I mentioned that, that note and a reminder to folks that um, those are analyzed in depth. Um, and then future development should support a park-to-park -park connection between Juanita Beach Park and Juanita Bay Park. That was very uh, apparent in the feedback that we heard about the Michael site. But I want to open it up again. I know we've probably talked about this before, but if anyone has strong feelings about this proposal, or if you're unsure, what additional information would help you decide your position on these requests? I'll open it up to Margaret in the back first, and then we'll kind of just hop around. Um, I was Can you hear me? Oh, there we go. I was gonna say, whatever gets decided for that corner, it's, it's important, but I was thinking it was a 100% corner. It's an entrance into the neighborhood. And it should be something special there. Like I know at 132nd and 85th, when that bloom thing went in, there was a comp plan policy that needed that they needed to do something, some sort of public benefit at that corner, or something that makes a statement that says, "Hey, you're entering Kirkland, whatever." So I, I think that's important, no matter what gets decided. Um, it shouldn't just be a blob building there. There should be something that engages. Um, residents, the public, everything there, and yeah. Thank you, uh, Mike. Yes, uh, one of the things that comes to my mind when I think of this, and I think we're going to a lot of fun for unless kind of an excuse development here. One thing I would caution to think about, whereas mixed use sounds very attractive and having retail offers something to the community at, at large. It does impose a requirement for parking to bring people because I don't think pedestrian traffic would be sufficient enough to support, depending on the type of retail it is, uh, like a restaurant or whatever. Um, so, you know, to be cautious about the advocating too strongly for retail um, because of that parking. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
Maybe there's something commercially or maybe uh, uh, um, the Not to keep beating on the same thing, but that particular location, retailing uh, on or, or helping out on the park to park connection, it's also right between where the proposed uh, pathway along Juanita Drive and then connecting that to the Cross Kirkland Corridor. Um, and so that part of that should be helping that connection for bikes and pedestrians to get from the proposed pathway that uh, Bothell has already built their part along Juanita Drive that would eventually come down to Juanita Beach Park, connect to Juanita Bay Park, and then hopefully to the Cross Cardinal Park. So I think that should be a part of it. And I agree with, with uh, Mike, by the way, on the, on the retail. I don't see how you can put retail in there very easily without it stomping on the park of other people. Thank you. Teresa, we'll talk to you. I think you're muted. Thank you. That's what I wanted to check. I just wanted to check. Um, I just wanted to say I feel very passionate that this should be an extension of both parks and making sure that there is a good way and safe way for people to walk from park to park. I see so many pedestrians at this corner, so many people walking in their dogs. We get a lot of bikes with bicyclists through here. Um, this is such a heavily trafficked corner and I would hate to see something put in there that would add to the traffic. Um, and I would really like to see something that helps to um, maybe even expand the park. Um, I know that takes money, I know that takes investment, but I think this is a really valuable piece of real estate to the community. Um, and, and I think that that's something that needs really careful consideration. I think that this is a site that, um, you know, it could be really like kind of the star of Juanita, or it could be something that really just takes it down a notch. And I would hate to see that happen. Thank you. Yeah, um, I think that's a great point that we would like to have, you know, a lot of people walk back and forth because, as you point out, Juanita Bay and Juanita um, Beach, thank you. Juanita Bay and Juanita Beach parks are not connected except next to this very busy intersection, which, you know, as a pedestrian, I walk back there so many times. It's not the most pleasant part of the trip. It would be terrific to have a connection along the waterfront. But even so, like what you're saying, having more pedestrian space here would be terrific. There are a lot of people to use that sidewalk there. Um, and you made some great points, and I completely agree that we really don't want to encourage a bunch of cars on that busy intersection going in there. It would be terrific if whatever goes in there is very limited as far as um, car access or completely non-car accessible. I don't, personally, my opinion on this kind of thing is that we don't need to micromanage exactly what goes there. A retirement home would be great. I don't think that needs to be a city mandate. Similarly, mixed use, I think you make a really compelling point about why that may not be the strongest idea here. I'm for leaving that up to whoever actually owns the site instead of uh, 
instead of this room here. Yeah, that's kind of what I was trying to get at when mentioning the, the reviews that go into place after we rezone, if we were to do so. It's um, it's important that uh, the design works. It has to work within the constraints of the site and within the constraints of our policies. So, yeah, thank you for echoing that point. That is something that we would have to allow for, though, if we wanted it to be a car light um, zoning, right? That's something that the state would actually have to zone for to allow them to not put a parking in, for instance. Yeah, like the parking requirements would change. Um, and I don't know if we have in the past prohibited parking um, through zoning, but it would be interesting to, to explore that. And I might be able to do so. It is a citywide study issue. Oh, as an Allison. Yeah, so um, one of our study issues for the land use element in the comprehensive plan update for the whole city is to consider um, removing park, parking minimums, but we know that developers might still build beyond a minimum, even if we lower those minimums. So we have talked a little bit with Planning Commission about the possibility of setting parking maximums. Um, at this point in the process, I don't have honestly a good sense of how far that will get, but it is part of the conversation right now. Um, and it could be something that could be explored on a, a site-specific basis or a zone-specific basis, so it wouldn't have to be like the whole city or nothing. Um, it, it'd be getting a little in the weeds at this, like at the level that we're kind of hovering at right now, but it could be something that a comp plan policy in the neighborhood plan could say like, with redevelopment of the Michael site, the city should consider setting a parking maximum to limit the number of vehicles to it from the site or something. So I think we could, I think it can be on the table, I guess, was the very short answer to that very long explanation. So I'm saying fairly similar to what you're just saying happened with the previous uh, plan on the other side of the street, and for good reason. Like, people do try to turn in there at the wrong time all the time, and I've seen several new accidents. Okay, we'll go James and then Jenny. Um, so I... Understanding that, of course, this is going to be more like a minute, like like in the moment, specific planning thing for this site, but kind of combining those concerns for like, there's not enough mixed use traffic, we want a connection, this space is kind of awkward, we don't need a ton of parking, like especially if we can do without the parking. Honestly, this would be an amazing place to like put like mixed use housing that where the bottom floor that mixed use element is actually kind of like a walkthrough sort of plaza thing that actually connects the two and also could potentially serve as like a transit waiting center for transit options that could go in in that area because right now you have to stand out in the rain and everything like that and that is also is especially in this area i think one of the biggest barriers to people taking public transit is that most of the stops are uncovered um and you know extremely unpleasant to wait at in normal seattle weather. thank you yeah good point jenny um, I loved what both Luke and um, James just said. Um, and I wanted to respond to the the bullet that says 70 feet is too tall for this location. I don't have any problem with 70 feet. Um, I, I don't, uh, you know, it, I, I love what Allison said with, uh, I think it was Allison, I can't really see, um, about a parking maximum um, and having uh transit focused on this location. I also love what Teresa and some other folks said about having um, uh, connectivity between the parks, uh, a, a safe walking path 
um, between Juanita Beach Park and Juanita Bay Park. Um, and I think we can do all of that um, as long as we don't don't require a whole bunch of parking or maybe even allow too much parking. Great, thank you. Anybody else, Mike? Yeah, thanks again for second comment. Um, yeah, um, I don't know if this is if parking is going to be conducive to be underground. On that. I don't know if that's going to be an issue that helps at all. But what I'm going to say, looking at this site and talking about uh, the comment about 70 feet not being too tall, I might even agree to that too. Because um, when I look at that site, if you had the center area, which is occupied by Michaels, be more of a plaza with a straight on view of the lake, but then there would be high rises off on either side of it. It preserves that view of the lake, but it gives the owner, you know, the additional um, space they need for you know revenue from a seven-story structure. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Calvin and then Ebert. You know, hear me? Is this audio working better? Just a little bit. Okay. Um, I think my comment here is a few things. Well, one is. Like, is there any kind of like in terms of public health and better sense uh, proposal? One is what's the existing land uh, use around the parcel? Like, are you saying, like, is this like a, like, um, secondly, is, are they kind of existing, uh, like, intent or land use plans around shoreline management? Like, are you saying that like, we want, like, are you looking for like high density or high height or right along the shore? Like, what's kind of like our, uh, I know that, um, Kirkland's existing urban centers are officially designated downtown Kirkland and totally place. Like, are we pursuing, do we as a community want to pursue urban center designation for Guadalupe Village in North, North Guadalupe, for example? Interesting question, top house. Um, I personally am relatively agnostic to, like, I think, like this proposal in particular. I think what probably needs to happen more and why I feel not very well to answer this question is that. As Abdul said, this is a crown jewel parcel for this neighborhood. Right? It's at the corner of the intersection, it's between two parks, it's right in the center of like a proposed walking path for community, amazing sidelines of the bay. Like it's a very important parcel. Uh, probably these are just like is there any kind of funny village like master plan or any kind of like use plan for funny village itself? Um, not that I'm aware of. Um, and then the village is um across the street, but the current zoning, it's currently zoned for for retail, um, and the density is about 1,800 square feet per unit, um, and then I forget the exact size of the site, but it wouldn't allow them to get their 250 to 300 that they're desired. I think it allows them to get like 100 something, so that's why they would, their proposal includes removing those density restrictions. Um, another point to make for this site is that it's, Within the shoreline management area and yeah. the shoreline master program uh, limits heights in that area at 41 feet. So it may not have to be an all or nothing thing. It may be a matter of us saying, okay, maybe 41 feet for now to be in line with the shoreline regulations. Um, and that would also, if they if we did move forward with 70 feet, we would have to amend the shoreline master program, which um this site has brought this proposal to planning commission before, and they and staff at that time recommended to not 
um, amend the, uh, the shoreline master program. It's due for amendments in 2027. So I think that's when we'd be cracking it open again, um, just for context uh, about the current zoning. I don't know about any master plans for, for Juanita Village. I feel like we really need one. Like it's such a crowded neighborhood. Continuity, yeah. Like a thing to go to. Exactly. It's like we should have like some like I agree with you that this form is like not just the, the wrong form, but like it really deserves its own working group. That that neighbor center, like that, like um, in my opinion. Like I think like like fairless nuance around shoreline national break goods are intersecting between parks plan and Parks and transportation and shoreline, like it, there's so many dynamics here that are not just funny interests, like the entire, you know, in, the entire city interests are really here. Definitely, yeah, I agree. Um, let's go to Ingrid and then Jenny, and then we'll bounce to you, Mike. Try to be brief. Uh, I wanted to say that uh, just as a from a bird's eye point of view, or I have a bigger point of view, that I feel it's a shame that we've given away so much of our shoreline around the Lake Washington to hardwood structures. So it makes me sad that there would be even more development here. Um, that said, I'm, I'm also on the side of housing. I would prefer housing to be arising on some of these single-use, uh, single-family dwelling neighborhoods into Rezone those. I think that is our big challenge in the United States and in Kirkland and in North uh, Juanita. And so I, you know, I, I liked uh, James's creative ideas, but uh, that's more on the development side of how to do it. I just wanted to give the perspective of someone who is reluctant to make more hardened spaces. It's already hardened, right? It's concreted over completely. Yeah. yeah. So that makes me sad. I just want to. Thank you, uh, Jenny. Um, yeah, I, I would love to see um, as little parking as possible in the site. And if it's um, housing and if, there, if there's a need for people to um, store cars, um, I'd, I'd like to see uh, uh, some creativity and uh, maybe having off-site parking um, so that the, uh, there's maybe an agreement that for people who really want to pay extra to have a parking spot, um, that they have it somewhere farther from, um, this, you know, this beautiful, uh, high value community area, and then have more, um, green space and walking pathways and, uh, transit on this site um, with whatever housing or mixed-use development goes in here. Thank you. Mike? You have a lot of good comments on this. Um, as I think about it and I hear some of the comments, I really think that the controlling factor is going to be on this shoreline master program. And it's not just what the city wants because it has to be approved by college. And I've seen before in other programs where the city wants to make a change to their program. They haven't gotten ecology involved early on. They want to be involved early on when you're looking at some variances like this. So bring ecology to the table, kick around some ideas. We've got a, probably a 200 foot setback from the shoreline, as well as the 
vertical uh, structure and used to the side along the shoreline. So a variety of things that would have to be overcome or be addressed in the variance. And how you may or may not be on board for all that. Yes, that's very true. Uh, any last comments here? Just at this kind um, now it's still my thinking just now. I imagine like Bellevue's grant connection plan or downtown Kirkland's like corridor from like you know the water to Park Lane up to you know Kirkland Urban. Like we have sets of like very like well baked like um, visions for these very high sensitive neighborhood cores, uh, city cores, and I I would say that this parcel would be the jewel of any such plan for downtown Juanita. And, and again, like so, like maybe the answer is 40 feet to a first one, maybe the answer is 70 or 1,000. Like, uh, whichever may be, I mean, what I really care about is again, like, do we have like uh, the protecting the shoreline, protecting the views, they can get all that taken care of as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of exciting. Okay, thank you. Yeah, that's really good input. Um, not a, a closed ended conversation by any means, but what I want to do on January 25th when I go to planning commission is relay all your comments and um, you're you're all invited to that as well, which we'll get to in a little bit. But yeah, really, really great discussion on these topics and really important for, for those officials to hear. So moving on to our other land use change request. Um, here it is, the Goodwill site, 9826 Northeast 132nd Street. Uh, just as a refresher, this proposal includes Height increases as well, um, elimination of the density requirements to allow for around 500 or 600 units. And they have proposed um, retail of about 10,000 to 15,000 square feet of commercial and or retail, or in retail space. Um, some key themes that we've heard so far is that there's general support for this change due to the need for additional housing in Juanita. Um, we talked a little bit about this, but it's uh, really in a prime intersection within the neighborhood. The potential housing at this site should be accessible and attainable for families given its pro close proximity to school. Um, so moving maybe away from luxury, large one bedroom units to something that could accommodate children or a family or at least have features uh, available for those, for those types of uh, community members. Um, it's important to identify safe connections from this site to the schools nearby is also um, what we've heard. The proposed height allowance is not supported by some. Uh, I think 70 feet and up can um, cause res reservations by some of the, our community members, so that was expressed. Um, there is concern about the infrastructure capacity at the site and the impacts of a large development like this. And then future development we've heard should support multimodal connections and provide and promote non-vehicular visits to the site. Um, so I'll open it up here. What do we think about this? Or again, if you're unsure, what additional information would help you decide your position on this request? Um, I guess two thoughts. My first thought is like, like even the people who like are Think that we should have density in the right places. Like this seems like the right place in all places in Juanita. So like like 75, 85, go for it. Um I this is the right place, the right neighborhood. Um I would say obviously this should be part of some bigger like rezone slash consideration of the North Kirkland community, like North Kirkland neighborhood center. Like 
Yeah, I, I think it's unfortunate we just take these considerations to the truth. Like, I would say maybe it's a whole, like, if we're saying as a community, like, we're going to invest and, in, uh, like, allow uh, more density in these areas, like, maybe, maybe pursue urban center status, I don't know, like, like we should think of the neighborhood as the entire uh, neighborhood center. But otherwise, I mean, this seems like if they're to the right place, this is the right place. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Margaret. James? James, I'm sorry. Oh. Um, yeah, I mean, kind of general what Helen was saying, the, uh, this does seem like a very ideal place for this sort of development. And I also agree that it should be sort of maybe just the first step in a broader North, uh, North Juanita sort of redevelopment, at least, of that business center, you know, of, the, of those strip malls that sort of are within like a two or three block rate, uh, radius of this Goodwill corner site. But honestly, I'd love to see that same sort of development, the mixed use, um, mixed use, uh, more dense residential kind of going along that corridor all the way from Juanita Village up through, um, up through the North Juanita business area because currently there's a lot of garden apartments. There's um, a lot of sort of like, uh, Townhome condo communities with like labyrinthine, you know, uh, parking, uh, like driving structures that feel like they were sort of designed for a siege. Um, it's not super efficient. Um, it's part of the like a lot of those low density zones lie in there, and you could keep those the lower density zones in the neighborhoods behind there, but like right along those roads, that that is the transit corridor through Juanita, and like it should. It's, it's where you're going to get the most foot traffic if you're getting any foot traffic through Juanita. So it should probably be developed with that in mind. Thank you. Margaret? Um, first, a question. Um, does the city have basic design guidelines for multifamily in general? You know, I believe so, yes. I'm just kind of wondering in this area, pretty much all the other kind of commercial areas like South Juanita have specific design regulations that are unique to that to those areas. And I think it would be appropriate here also. Um, I don't have a problem with the, the density, but my concern is a big box there that there isn't some sort of design guidelines that makes it more um, residential friendly being so close that a big building is going to do some shading on that hillside. That's a that's a huge impact to a lot of those adjoining properties. So um, I, I think some specific design guidelines for the North Juanita business districts yeah. is, is appropriate and especially this site also. Great feedback. Yeah, and I, I believe it does fall within a design district. I'll check on that um, and I'll let you know, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that it does. Uh, Jenny. Um, this is within a really easy walk of my home, and I'm really excited about the um, the amenities that will come with um, having increased population density uh, in the the walkable area around um, the Goodwill site and and around um, Safeway and. Um, Right now, I feel like um, there aren't a lot of places that I'm excited to walk to in 
the walkable neighborhood, you know, the walkable area that I'm close to there around Safeway. Um, so I'm really looking forward to having um, more amenities to choose from and um, more things that I can get to just by walking. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited about this development. Um, and uh, I, I would love to see something more than just uh, paved, paved lots and parking lots, uh, here. So, um, uh, again, I think if we can minimize, um, the amount of parking here, um, definitely not have, uh, parking mandates. Um, and I don't, I don't know about, uh, having maximum number of parking mandated, but, uh, definitely not have a minimum amount of parking mandated. Thank you, Doug. Um, I want to agree with everybody, everything everybody said so far, but I did want to point out one more thing. The last letter on the indented bullet uh, uh, point, um, important to identify safe connections from the site to schools, uh, in particular, Juanita High School is going to have a lot more traffic thanks to the new, new uh, off-ramp on the freeway. So there's going to be a lot of traffic coming down 132nd. That you know, uh, that could be a good thing for something like this. But we do need the safe walking to and from Juanita High School and beyond. Um, and so that's that's uh, one thing I wanted to sort of highlight. That extra letter there, schools, not just safe uh, walking for to Juanita Elementary, but uh, safe walking and biking to Juanita High School. So anyway, that's all I had to say. And I agree with everything everybody said so far. So thank you. Thank you. So just to um, uh, walk back up to this comment a little bit. So again, still believe that land use wise makes sense. You know, this, this is the place of all places to do this kind of thing. Go bigger, go, go more, like ask more, go for it. And one comment here from the vision perspective, I will be sad to lose the one good woman. There aren't, there aren't that many. Uh, I, I believe there's literally only two of them privilege. And um, it's, I mean, having thrift stores is really good amenity for community. It's, you know, better for, obviously, you know, it's more affordable and gives opportunities for people to get things or using things also good social as well. So, um, so that's the only like hashtag sad base I have about this. But land use wise, sure. Just, but in terms of you know, land use wise, sad base. Yeah, good point. And I was told by the property owners that Goodwill lease is up in 2025. Um, so that's why they're kind of pushing the city to, to make a decision with the neighborhood plan update to see what the future holds for the site. Uh, Luke, and then we'll have to move to the next slide. Um, I just wanted to reflect on what you're saying about how, you know, we really would rather not have a huge monolithic structure here. Um, that being said, we're playing really hard catch up, seeing as we failed to produce enough housing for many, many years now. And so this really does seem like the best approach for where we are now. Uh, I would like to see more medium density in Kirkland as a whole so that we're not forced into these. Now we need a skyscraper to actually make our city at least a little bit more affordable. Um, but still tackling onto that, what you suggested too, about how like maybe not just this one site, but we should be thinking larger. It should affect the entire area. We do need higher density in all of North Kirkland, or sorry, North Juanita 
similar to how it is in South Juanita, would be terrific. And this is a fantastic site, like near terrific schools, near grocery stores, lots of retail, dining. It's a fantastic place. Yeah. At this point, uh, right behind there, it's a single family dwelling, single family uh, uh, codes. Sorry, my, my language isn't good about it, but, and we tend to always cut them apart. So you can't get from that single family neighborhood easily down to this business district. So that's a micro thing, but I think it's an important thing. Yeah. To, and, and then the second thing is, will the city contemplate changing the zoning of that single family neighborhood right behind here? Get more into the, the club of multi-family dwellings. Yeah, good input. Isn't there a pedestrian path right by the fire station? Yeah. The there's, there's not one there. There is. There's, there's, there's a few pedestrian. Also, pedestrian paths, like secret pedestrian paths. They're all secret. You can't find them to know them. Like, like I lived here for many years, and I was like, wait, there's like that. There's a little hidden, like two feet wide pedestrian path here. Since when? Like, you can't find them. It's true. There's been proposals to put signage up. I just wanted to say about that path. It does say only uh, dawn to dusk, so it actually tries to limit pedestrians. I've never seen a sign like that on a roadway. I just wanted to make a point. True, that. I forgot about that sign. Okay, well, yeah, great input again. I'm going to be taking this, um, elevating your responses, and then circling back with you in March to, to let you know what Planning Commission's um, thoughts are. Okay, the vision statement. I have some printed copies. I'll pass these out to you. Um, Brian's gonna. I'll pass pens for the people in person. Everyone should have it in their inbox if you're virtual, and then it's on screen as well. Um, I wanted to keep it. I it, I know it's easy to work with and things like that, but I really wanted to make a point that it's important that the vision statement reflects a desired direction for the community and it's going to be used as a reference within the plan we'll be referring back to it after certain policies so like in in alignment with the vision statement is something that might come up in the plan so it's really important that the plan is uh aligned with the community's input and with what we've heard so far um for that reason so i'm going to pass out a couple pens and then i'll go ahead and um, read it and maybe we can go a couple paragraphs by a couple paragraphs and just kind of work through major themes, make sure we're hitting thank you. Make sure we're hitting everything um, as far as how we see Juanita in 20 years. So it's it's meant to be lofty, it's meant to be idealistic. Um, so just keep that in mind. So I'll go ahead and read maybe the first paragraph as a starting point. <laughs> Excuse me. Juanita is home to an active, diverse community. The neighborhood contains two vibrant neighborhood commercial centers known as the South Juanita and North Juanita Neighborhood Centers in close proximity to the residential areas with a variety of housing types that provide opportunities for people of all income levels. The neighborhood centers have evolved into thriving pedestrian-oriented mixed-use centers with businesses that meet the retail and service needs of the community, public spaces that provide opportunities for communities to gather, and housing that supports the businesses, employees, and residents in all areas of the neighborhood. 
The two neighborhood centers incorporate innovative, adaptable urban design features, and people can safely and conveniently travel to and between the two areas, thanks to many routes that accommodate their preferred mode of transportation. Schools in Juanita are highly valued and protected routes, oh, and protected routes allowing connections from educational institutions to other key locations in the neighborhood for commuting students are prioritized. Um, let's, I'll just read the second one and then we can uh, discuss. Moving on to environmental features and land, or excuse me, environmental features and natural areas within the neighborhood remain preserved. Primary environmental features include Lake Washington, Juanita Bay, and its associated wetlands to the east, as well as Juanita Creek. Measures are taken to fully, or excuse me, to significantly improve public views of and access to these important locations. Restoration of our natural systems and critical areas, including streams, wetlands, um, and shoreline habitat areas, continues to promote maximum ecological value and function. Juanita Creek is a healthy fish-bearing stream that is that is thrives within the urban fabric of the neighborhood, and opportunities to daylight sections of the stream are realized. The Juanita Creek drainage system is resilient, and the streams have been revitalized and enhanced in sections through future public and private collaborative action. The Juanita Bay Park and wetland areas along Forks Creek Drive continue to be preserved and provide recreational opportunities and wildlife habitat. Aside from the minor typo that I caught and then maybe some other small pluralized words that weren't supposed to be pluralized, how do we feel about these first two paragraphs? Any comments or input, um, Luke and then Margaret? Um, yeah. Uh, this is something that struck me with the previous vision statement uh, that we're revising is the since we need rather odd focus, and in this case, it's actually a lot less focus, it's only mass mentioned in passing, but on public views is to me kind of strange. So, if you think about our uh, coastline on the lake, there, the well, what views are you seeing as you walk around? You see a view. But um, from the park, that makes a lot of sense. But the view lines that were mentioned in the previous um, vision statement don't seem to make a whole lot of sense. They seem cut out to preserve views for, for people who paid a lot of money for those views and would rather them not be impacted. So if you look at how um, South Juanita Neighborhood Center is currently laid out, it's in a terrace format as opposed to using all of the space more efficiently. And what's the reason for that? Views for the lucky people who happen to be on that top level and happen to be facing the right direction. I'm not certain if that's something that needs to be in our vision statement. Access is great. Views are, I'm a privileged thing to have. Um, I'm not sure about the order. Margaret, were you next? Um, is the southern boundary of Juanita neighborhood is Fort Creek Drive? I believe so. I think so yeah. Should Forest Creek be included in there? I think. And then to speak about views, public views are ones that you can see from the rights of way. Um, the main one I can think of that is not in Juanita, but has always been part of the discussion, is the one you see at Northeast 70th. There's a huge expansive view of, of the lake in downtown Seattle, and the city has never been in a position to really um, preserve private 
use. That's between private property owners, but there are a lot of vistas that are um, visible from public properties that should be maintained. And I don't know that any specific ones have been identified because there's a lot of trees that kind of and vegetation that gets away and that view of the lake near Juanita Bay and, and such. But uh, I think it's important to acknowledge public vistas, even if they're they're important, you know, to lose that. Um, like there's one you when you drive down 116 down to Juanita Bay. There's a view sort of from there. So there's some value there. So that's thank you. Yeah. Uh, James. And then we'll go to Teresa. Oh. Um, so I uh, I think I kind of agree with both Luke and Margaret um, in that, like, I definitely agree that uh, in terms of priorities, public views and private views are should be less prioritized from a sort of like what are we doing with the overall utility in the area? Um, because especially if we design things, well, we create different views. Like, I mean, think about like other cities and um, older places that are already more dense. They have a tendency to be like, you know, vibrant, colorful, um, you know, interesting and attractive places all on their own. Um, but at the same time, like, I think that maybe public views would be a good thing to prioritize for, uh, or locations for like public spaces and parks and things like that, things that will ha have a lot of sort of like natural, um, natural already sort of, sort of existing sort of like beauty and appeal to them. I, I think it's possibly a good metric for, for those sorts of things. Yeah, good point. Uh, okay, nice. uh, Teresa, what about you? So I just wanted to say I'm I'm happy with what the first paragraph says. I don't really have any issues with anything in it and I think it does a nice job kind of getting the message across there. On the second paragraph, um, down where it says Juanita is a healthy fish bearing stream um, that thrives within the urban fabric of the neighborhood, um, it goes on and to the very end it says are realized, the sections of the stream are realized. That just sounds very awkward to me. Um, I think there might be a better way to phrase that. I'm not sure exactly at the moment what that would be, but maybe that could be reworked. Um, also, the next sentence where it says the Juanita Creek drainage system is resilient. Um, that, again, to me, is kind of an awkward word choice. Uh, I think it might be better to say that it's important for native habitat. And then it goes on to say that the streams have been revitalized and enhanced in sections through future public and private collaborative action. I would rather, instead of that saying through future, um, I would th say through like over the past 20 years. I mean, we want this to be kind of what things look like in 20 years. We don't want to say that 20 years from now, we're going to start working on revitalizing this stream. Right. Um, yeah. So I'd like to, you know, 20 years from now, look back and say, wow, we did a fabulous job. It's done. It looks fantastic. It's very healthy and you know it's been restored. So if maybe we could rework the language there, that would be, I think, helpful. And then um, finally the last the last sentence where it says um, the Juanita Bay Park and wetland areas along Forest Creek Drive. Um, I would say instead of saying continue to be preserved, I would like to say that they are protected, you know, that we actually have taken steps in 20 years to 
protect those areas um, and that not we're not trying to continue to fight to restore those. So that's that's kind of my point on those. Great, thank you. Yeah, and uh, Mike had also mentioned that we should maybe preserve to protect it both in the first sentence and the last. So we'll, we'll take a look at that because they do mean different things and have different implications. Um, any other comments, Doug? Um, yeah, a couple things. Um, one, it, it, uh, it's actually, once again, I'm promoting the public pathway here. Um, thanks to the many routes that accommodate their preferred uh, mode of uh, transportation. That sounds like oh, we're done. We don't need anything new. Uh, no, I would like to say that we are prioritizing alternative routes to, uh, and, you know, there's no place where it says biking or walking in here. Similarly, schools in one unit are highly valued protected routes allowing connection. That doesn't talk about say that, you know, that, that could be cars. Sure, we'll get cars that are protected, but when we want to talk about walking and biking for students in, in Juanita, um, it, it, they, they begin, they makes them healthier. It makes them, uh, they're, Juanita's the only high school in the state where two kids were walk, killed walking to school. We need to remember that. Um, we need to we need to do anything we can to keep that from happening again. Highly important. Um, and so that should be our vision. That should be a big part of our vision. We don't want more kids killed walking to school. Uh, and we just don't. And so I, I don't see walking to school. I don't see biking. I don't see, see uh, new routes for that in here. And that's what I'd like to see that. Yeah, let's get, let's get stronger about what we mean by alternative. Alternatives to driving. I hear you. Um, I don't know who was first. Ingrid? Yeah, I just wanted to um, ask. Um, it seems it says the neighborhood is very fine. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you, uh, thank you for writing this up. It's, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. It's very aspirational, which is, which is very nice. The neighborhood centers have evolved into thriving. I'll see. I was thinking, is evolving that. I'm hedging my bets that maybe Friday pedestrian oriented anyway, for consideration is evolving. And then the other thing, can we use the word we? Uh, that there are people here. Uh, for example, the last sentence of the first paragraph, a suggestion, schools in Juanita are highly valued and we prioritize protected routes. Just an idea. Thank you. All right, and we got a time check. I know it's 5.59. Um, I'm going to keep going for whoever's able to join us. I just have one more slide about the vision statement, and then we'll go into next steps, um, and then we can wrap it up. So I'll read these, and then we can dive in. Residential density in Juanita is comprised of diverse housing types, allowing housing within the neighborhood to remain affordable and accessible to those of all ages, races, ethnicities, income levels, and abilities for generations to come. High-density residential development is concentrated near the aforementioned neighborhood commercial centers. Public services and capital facilities required to implement the neighborhood plan and support the community are adequate for growth in Juanita. The transportation circulation system acknowledges the needs of the region and the burden of vehicular traffic is lessened as neighborhoods, as the neighborhood prioritizes and promotes safe and reliable alternatives to single car trips. The expansion and enhancement of park and recreation facilities continue in order to maintain equitable access for all. 
public gathering spaces, and community placemaking opportunities are abundant. Taken in total, the Juanita community is connected to the environment through recreation and appreciation. Growth within the neighborhood is strategic and sustainable, and a sense of connection and belonging exists for residents, employees, and visitors alike. How do you feel about these paragraphs, Calvin? My major comment on our statement is that I need to really sit down and think about how this contrasts the old statement. Like, what does the policy descriptions change? So, like, maybe in the future we can kind of like see them side by side. I'll send out the track change version. Uh, it's very messy. There's a lot of edits, a lot of movement of words and phrases, but I'll send it out. Um, and that is helpful to see what's changed and what, what remains and what the bones of the existing vision statement are within this update. So that's what we worked off as staff, but there's a ton of edits. So I'll send that out after the, after the meeting. Thank you. Any other comments about these paragraphs? Any other places we could collaborate or double down? Um, I mean, I guess just real quick, I wanted to uh, double check exactly like, so I, I did a nonprofit conversion recently um, for my business and where we had to work on a vision statement. And the vision statement really is an aspirational statement that's sort of like general, it's like, it's, it's like, a, at least in the case of that, it's kind of like a one line explainer of like, what is your nonprofit even for? Um, and so I was curious, is this vision statement similar to that? Because I was noticing that it's largely written from the perspective of future people talking about what things are like now, um, you know, in the future. Yeah, that's how the rest of the neighborhood plan vision statements are curated. They're set in the future, or they're, yeah, they're set in the future talking about the neighborhood as it exists in that time. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but it, it does. And yeah. then also, uh, I think probably the biggest change between the current draft of the vision statement and the one that is being updated currently, that's currently on the books, is that a lot of that previous plan talked about um, infill of unutilized space um, and was much more about like sort of like maintaining property values. I think both of those things are explicitly called out in the previous plan. Um, and so I think that would probably be the biggest difference uh, between these two. Um, otherwise, I think the idea of wanting Juanita to be like accessible and safe and you know nice to live in is pretty much the same. So do you think it would, we were moving in the right direction to remove those topics from the vision statement? Yes. Okay, clarifying. <laughs> uh, Luke? Yeah, I said seconding that, that removing those pieces that kind of tried to Cement Juanita and Amber is definitely a move in the right direction. And um, I'd say we could even go farther than what's in this vision statement mm -hmm. as far as specifying that we want to give people the opportunity to develop more than just one type of housing mm -hmm. on their property. We used to allow people to do that and we stopped, and now things are really expensive. And that's also mentioned here, but specifically calling out that. We need to take action to allow you know our kids, grandkids to live here as well. Um, another thing that I think there's uh, reiteration, just like Doug was saying, is um, expanding our urban pathways network is should definitely be a priority. You know, maybe it's the cross Juanita pathway, maybe it's something else like the um, the uh, routes that are pedestrian only between neighborhoods that you guys were mentioning. Um, but either way, an expansion there is terrific. And I think 
it's also quite fair to call out that we really would like to reduce um, car usage relative to the population in general, both from a planet and sustainability aspect, pollution, and also the region is growing and if every single person wants to make their trips in a car, no one's going to have a good time. So we really need to prioritize getting, give, letting people use infrastructure that's not just for single occupancy vehicles. And I feel like that should be explicitly called out here. Yeah, something I failed to mention to you guys earlier is that the over almost 50% of Kirkland's greenhouse gas emissions come from mobile combustion, which is cars um, and um, combustion engines that you drive with. And we have um, greenhouse gas reduction targets for 2050 that we need to cut our greenhouse gases in half by then. So it's it's a it's something that we have to do if we want to make any type of environmental and sustainable progress uh, towards for the greener future. Can, can we call out in this vision statement exactly how we are approaching that? Yeah, I'll, I'll explore that. Yeah, I'll explore that. Um, we can staff uh, other staff alley can weigh in on how specific we can get with those in the vision statement. It might you know something that lives in another part of the plan, but I agree that that's important to call out. Ingrid, I wanted to mention, thank you, um, Luke. The word sustainable is not in this. Is it Is it? It is. Is it's it? in the last paragraph. Last paragraph. Last yeah. one, yeah. And sustainable. Growth within the neighborhood is strategic and sustainable, but that's just growth. Right. So maybe we need to talk about the neighborhood is sustainable. Well, no, I, mean, I think you're very. On this point, um, I wanted to mention. Well, it, it's, I think we might have in our community a not in my backyard that uh, we have a single family zoning protectionism, I think. And I think that's going to be problematic to try to preserve, uh, you know, to, to, to reach this vision. And so this last sentence might be the one that we might consider pushing the boundary on here. We're saying, uh, we're going to concentrate the high-density residential development in aforementioned neighborhood commercial centers. But what are we going to do with all those single-family zone neighborhoods? Are we going to address those at all in this? Yeah, especially in 20 years. That's a long time. So, Well, and I think if we're going to get housing, you know, multi-family housing, I think we're going to have to push into these single-family dwelling neighborhoods. Yeah, I'll explore either removing that or switching it up a little bit. I mean, actually, you know, one thing I think about is a transportation person. So, yes, I'm reminded that there are four buses that move through here, the 257. Well, really, to pay for those, you need more people. You know? But these single-family dwellers aren't really jumping on these buses so much. So, anyway. Yeah, good input. Um, if you have any other comments, that went, oh, go ahead, Margaret. Um, to speak to that, technically, there is no such thing as single-family zoning anymore. Yeah, but low, mid, high density now. Oh, yeah? There's still a lot of restrictions on what you can build. There's a lot of setback oh, requirements, the high requirements are still fairly flabby. You can do multiple units within those footprints, mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean, um, I guess what, what that what the legislature passed hasn't been on the books long enough, but I don't know if we want something in there that promotes something in the single family areas, it's not mansions. 
where it seems a lot of the development seems to be you tear down the house that's relatively affordable to future generations to build something twice as two to three times bigger that costs two to three times more and is not being a lot of my neighborhood are not even they're foreign investors that there's no one living in these dark houses so um maybe is that making sense to to not not call out single family low density because that doesn't exist anymore, but mm. something to promote multiple units. Sure. Yeah. These mm. Formerly single family. So, yes. And who knows what it will be in twenty years? Right. Like more legislation and things right. like that. Yeah. Good point. Um, okay. Well, like I mentioned, if you have comments, we're gonna I'll be taking them up until it's adopted. So we have a long time. Let's talk about that that timeline real quick. Um, oh, I forgot about this slide. This is a slide that just describes some general changes that we'll make outside of the vision statement. So we're going to be transforming the existing text into policy statements. Um, there's no actual policies in the current plan. It just has some text statements. So I'll be working to get actual policies um, established. We're going to revise the vision statement. Thank you for your input. Uh, we're going to describe any current land uses or changes since the last update in 2015. We're going to consolidate the historical text about the area. We'll leave anything that's Juanita specific in the Juanita plan, and then anything that is more general about the first peoples of Kirkland, we're just going to um, move that to a different part of the comprehensive plan and keep the Juanita plan very uh, Juanita focused. We'll also be adding text narrative that's more welcoming and eliminating some of those um, exclusionary words like community character or family oriented because those mean very different things to yeah different things to different people um so we're going to do what we're, we're calling an equity scrub of all the neighborhood plans actually not just Juanita and not just King Cave. Uh, we'll also be adding policy and text to support the missing middle housing efforts our new affordable housing policies um, that are going to be in the housing element and accessory dwelling unit regulations just acknowledging exactly what um, Margaret said that these are these are options for low density. They're options for almost every parcel uh, that's residentially zoned. So we just have to acknowledge that in, in the plan somewhere. We'll also be adding policy and text to support other citywide plans like the housing strategy plan, our pros plan, the parks open space and recreation plan, the transportation strategic plan, and the sustainability strategic plan. Basically, we want all of our plans to not live in silos. We need them to be congruent and work off of each other. Um, so we'll be adding supportive text and policies for other plans that are um, citywide plans. And we'll also update any dates, specific text or text that's no longer relevant. And then each plan has a set of photos um, that describe different key areas of the, of the neighborhood. And something that might be just something you guys can email to me or if you think of a spot, but we're, we're interested in your opinion on what photos we could add to the neighborhood plan that aren't just Juanita Bay and aren't just Juanita Beach, like great, beautiful locations, of course, but we want some representation in North Juanita. Maybe there's a park or a view or something like that that we can explore um, to add into the plan. So if you think of anything, please email me. Please let me know. Uh, you can give me a call too. So uh, just wanted to put that out there. Next steps. Okay, so with with the working group recommended vision statement as a guiding light, um, which I'll be reworking, 
staff is going to prepare a drafted plan, like an entire Juanita plan um, now through March. And then we as a group will meet again in mid-March and I'll be looking for your comments on that drafted plan, comments on the revised drafted vision statement. And then with your input, I will curate another draft and present that to planning commission for them to study in April. Um, after they make their recommendations, um, we'll revise again based on their recommendations and comments, and then we'll hold a public hearing on May 9th, tentative, but that's the, the public hearing where uh, we are aiming for. So that's when it that's when it will have to be pretty much a finalized draft. So we're gonna be working hard with you all and with staff to get that ready for that. And then at the public hearing, um, Planning Commission will make a recommendation to Council to adopt it as is or adopt with changes, and then City Council re will receive a briefing on that drafted plan before they adopt it in the, later this year, around November is what we're thinking, just to give you an idea of how this is all going to um, unfold. And then most importantly, really important and really appreciate all your guys' involvement thus far and um, want to encourage that involvement to continue, even though I think we'll have maybe one more um, working group and then um, the rest of our time together will be at public meetings. So attending planning commission is really encouraged. Um, the planning commission and council, they really like to hear from the planning staff about the neighborhood plan update process, um, how it Plans, what your experiences were on the working group. So I invite you all to come either on January 25th or February 20th. That's when we go to council. Uh, January 25th is the planning commission date. Um, just to share your ideas, your thoughts. If you're feeling very strongly and you might not agree with the working group, but you want to make your case, that's a great opportunity and arena to do so. Um, otherwise, just letting them know how the process went is helpful. Um, and I'll be passing your comments along as well. So I wanted to leave you all with that. Are there any parting comments or questions, things I could relate to the group later? Yeah. Just want to say thank you so much to, to all the staff that helped facilitate this process and continuing to do so. Happy to. Ingrid. And for the planning commission meetings, are those only is it best to come in person? They're, they're hybrid still. To, to, well, my knowledge, they're still hybrid, yes. so you can in person. Join. In person always has a okay. bigger impact. Margaret says in person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. And did you say it's February 6th and January 25th? Um, I'll send them out, but January 25th for planning commission, February 20th, uh, tentative for city council. Same information at both meetings, just a different group. And another question. Um, you know, I, I'm just having read the summary on the um, what was that? The survey, and that there was this comment: "Stop pushing growth." Stop, you know. So I'm right. suspecting there's people not here. So what would we do uh, you know, if we come out with all of this? And you know, I think there's a synchronicity in the room and with this group. Yeah. But I think those other people aren't here. No, but those are sometimes people that show up to the public meeting. Yeah. So it's really important to provide that united front. If it if it exists, it doesn't yeah. have to be inauthentic, but right. if, it, if it does exist, then that's important to show them as well. Oh. Um, I think that really yeah, sorry. Uh, so like two comments while I was making earlier that you know, give is the uh, 
I do feel that some of the comments you saw are a bit anachronistic. Like, you think about tree protection, like another brand new tree tree law that just got passed a few weeks ago. Here's like some of the things that people comment on. Like, you just there was a recent fanny motion that really just addressed that potentially. So that already might already be a hashtag solved problem. That makes sense. You know, the tree comment earlier. And secondly, from the echo, you could comment like, is there go back a slide? Is there another opportunity to kind of go before the general public? Like we said, the poll just closed now. Like, will there be another like round of public public comment polling to show off the final or revised draft statement? Like, um, I like I don't want to get too. I mean, people are not in the room. They should be represented. Like, I want to like. Like, even though like we are all advocates in some way for something we believe, I think we're all trying to represent the neighborhood, and like it would be great to get at some point a temperature check with yeah. with those who are have not as passionate as we are to be in the room. Yeah, I think that that is partly what the purpose of the public hearing is on May 9th. So okay. after it goes through a few draft sessions and study sessions and another working group um, review, that public hearing is that's that's the time where the public uh, they'll receive. They being planning commission will receive all the public comments I've gotten thus far, uh, just emails and passing um, things that the survey eliminated. So that is kind of the arena where the finalized draft will be looked at and analyzed, and they'll make a recommendation to adopt, uh, and uh, then it will go to council. What is the outreach plan for that public hearing then? Like, what would it be like? A we do public noticing. Okay. Um, I'm not. I've never done it before personally as a planner, so I'll be leaning on my supervisor Allison to um, really help me through that. But I know that it starts earlier. It has to start two weeks earlier, but we do it far in advance, so it's going to probably be in April or so. Will be similar to the outreach we did for the, the public poll, like with like. With like a letter to all households, like sensitive mailing to friends, and like what kind of level of outreach should be expected? I am really passionate about making sure that we really do. I mean, I'll, I'll try to get my neighbors to do the poll. I sometimes did. Like, our what work are we doing to really make sure we really get everyone the opportunity to hear the perspective? Yeah, good question. Um, I'm not sure the answer, but I'll find out for you and I'll follow up uh, with the group or with you personally to describe that process. Thank you. Also, say, Calvin, since we've gone through it. Well, the, the, there's the Neighborhood Association, which I'm mm -hmm. part of, but we really don't need a lot of participation. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's on Zoom. Like it's now that it's on Zoom, like no one shows up even more. Like it's way less than before. But we still don't get good um, participation. But the newsletters from David Woolbrett and mm -hmm. social media, there's a lot of people that, that follow yes. that. And hopefully that. That's in our cycle of outreach yes. opportunities. Good um, point. Answer. Yeah, good point. That's a good answer. Okay, well, I am going to um, formally excuse our Zoom members. Thank you for being here. Your input is greatly appreciated, as always. Um, I'll be sending out the recording of this meeting to anyone who wasn't able to attend, and then I'll be polling for a March date that works for most of us. So stay tuned for that. Thank you, Teresa and Jenny. Bye. Bye. Thank you.